0: Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Welcome, Marvel fans, to episode five of Marvel Cast, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast by fans and for fans. Each week, we will discuss the latest news regarding the MCU, followed by a review and discussion of the latest released content in this ever-expanding multiverse. Our audience is a key component to our show, and we'll wrap up each week by answering your Marvel-related questions. I'm your host, Steven, and I'm joined with my co-host, JG. JG, welcome to Episode 5 of MarvelCast. How are you doing this week?
1: I am doing well. You know, we're a little dry. We had some pretty crazy storms uh, in Southwestern PA last night, but uh, we're doing... We're doing pretty well now, pretty, pretty dry. Uh, lots of great Marvel content, like we always say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know we might be coming at you a day later than usual just because some of our power was a little bit uh, hit or miss yesterday. So I'm glad that we're able to come together today and record our next episode. As we're going to be talking about some news today about what's happening with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we're going to also have a review of the latest What If episode. And our main topic today is going to be a review Of 2018's Venom as we get ready for the upcoming Venom Let There Be Carnage. So, JG, let's jump right into the news. I've got four stories for us today. The first one is that it was released and announced this week that Disney Plus Day coming up on November 12th, 2021, will celebrate the two year anniversary of Disney Plus premiere. Along with this special Disney Plus Day, they're going to be releasing tons of new content, including Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which will be streaming for the first time you know for all disney plus subscribers as well as a special marvel special look as it's being described now jg we didn't get any updates yet on what's it going to be included in this marvel special look but are you thinking it's going to be just disney plus for 2022 or are you expecting a mixture of some of the films as well
1: see it's very hard to tell because you know (laughs) <laughs> the two crossover now very a lot, because like you, know, you can look back at the Investor Day. There was announcements for Disney Plus stuff, and then they also talked about, like, theatrical. So I can imagine there might be a little bit of sprinkle. I think it's going to be basically looking ahead to 2022. You know, the films that are going to be coming up. Uh, I think we could get our first teaser look at uh Captain... or Miss Marvel. And uh, th- maybe some of the early films, we get a good, solid first look as well. I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy, but... Uh, marvel always does surprises
0: are you thinking more in the range of 10 minutes or half hour like how long how much content do, do they want to give out this early in advance
1: uh i mean there's there's a good bit that they could talk about i would i would err probably on the side of maybe 15 to 20 minutes at most um if they're feeling very generous probably nothing more than a half hour
0: Well, either way, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting some first looks, some reveals, maybe some teases at things that haven't even been announced yet for even further down the pipeline. Um, It's hard to believe it's already been two years. I remember when Disney Plus first released with The Mandalorian was their big tentpole and they didn't even have any Marvel content yet for almost the first year at all. And so now it's been nonstop in 2021. And it's just so exciting to see where we're going to be going. Are you also looking forward to being able to watch Shang-Chi anytime, anywhere with Disney Plus now?
1: Oh, heck yes. I, I've already been wanting to do it. I just haven't been able to make it out to the theater and having it at home is going to be, it's going to be wonderful. And plus getting it to show it with friends and family, you know, those who maybe are not so comfortable going out yet and just being able to take this film and being able just to experience it with other people. It's, it's one of those films that you want to share it and you want to experience it with other people because it's that good. And it has such a important theme and story. And so, yeah, I'm very much excited for that.
0: And I'm personally someone who likes to collect my, you know, digital or excuse me, my physical media with my mm. Blu-rays. And I have, you know, the first Infinity Saga set of all the movies like that. I got them as they came out. And I have to admit, I did not buy Black Widow this week. And part of the reason was I did buy it on the Disney Premier Access. Um, so I couldn't really justify spending another $25, $30 on a Blu-ray or 4K. So in my head, as of right now, I think I got my Infinity Saga on on the, on the stand here and then I might just be waiting for everything to release on Disney Plus. And I think just knowing that it's always going to be there, just you know, in one spot where you can stream it, you can download it, I think that's even more exciting. So once again, that's Disney Plus day coming up in a few weeks, November 12th, 2021 is going to be having out Shang-Chi as well as a Marvel special look. The second story for today, um Seth Green, who is an actor comedian who plays Howard the Duck in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One and Two. He had an interview this week where he was talking about and being asked about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which I believe is now currently in production. And his quote said, I don't know if Howard's a part of it. I haven't heard anything about that. The only thing I know is that it's a girl's story. It's the sister's story, that it's Gamora and Nebula's story. So I don't know if it's a prequel or if it comes off in the new timeline that's splintered post the time heist. Honestly, I don't know anything about it. I wouldn't be hurt if Howard's not a central character to the sister's story. JG, you hear this quote. We don't know if Howard's going to be in it. That's someone that could always pop up in last minute to film some lines or record some lines. The big takeaway, though, is that it sounds like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will have a heavy emphasis on Gamora and Nebula. Talk to me when you hear this. What does that do for you? What does that make you think about?
1: It excites me because there is always so much story between these two characters and their relationship. They set it up so well in Guardians Uh, 1, you know, a little bit more in Guardians 2, but even, I think, specifically more, you know, you see a lot of it in the emotional stakes come to head in uh, Infinity... or, yeah, Endgame, Endgame. And uh, seeing some of the conversations that the two have... It really does make me want to have more, like, see more of their story, and we're actually going to get to see that, you know, maybe if we see more of a prequel, maybe some flashbacks and such. It's going to be exciting, and especially those the actresses, they are uh, they are so good in their roles, and, you know, I'm here for it. I, I I do like, you know, a shift, because I think what's going to be interesting is that we're going to be getting Thor uh, Love and Thunder, and I do think that we're going to see a lot of Guardians content characters in that story as well so even if guardians 3 is maybe focusing a little bit more on the sisters you know the other guardians are there because it's guardians 3 maybe it focuses more on the story and maybe more of maybe chris pratt his character and his story ends up more maybe in thor Love and thunder
0: yeah i think that's a good way to look at it maybe we're going to kind of rotate the roster a little bit from what we're hearing this is going to be the end of the guardians of the galaxy as we know them This could also potentially be James Gunn's last film with Marvel for the time being. It sounds like he wants to do a proper send off. And, you know, what I found most interesting was, you know, this is not the Gamora that we've known for the past couple of films. This is the Gamora from the alternate timeline from Endgame. So when we think back to like the first time we met the sisters in Guardians of the Galaxy part one, you know, Gamora was the one that was kind of making amends and getting away from her father. And. Nebula was the one that was still loyal to Ronan the Accuser and to Thanos and now here we are we're heading into this new era this phase four Nebula has kind of come full circle redeemed herself and now it's Gamora who this version of Gamora was the one that was loyal to her dad who had not gone through meeting the Guardians so it's going to be almost like a you know Freaky Friday reversal switch here almost and so I'm excited to see you know how Nebula might be the one that brings her sister back just like how Gamora the Gamora we knew in the prime timeline brought her sister back. Um, I think great idea to kind of show the case, the family element again, that's what these movies do so well. Any other thoughts on seeing more of these sisters in the future?
1: Yeah, it's actually interesting that you bring that up because I actually just thought like in that point, like we weren't really thinking much about it, but like that from my knowledge, I'm trying to think But go back now. I think that's, those are our first variants. Like who knows how that could even possibly play. And I know the TVA technically doesn't, Oh, I guess it does exist. It's just in its own, you know, it's being now controlled by uh, Kang right now. But I think that's, I don't know if that could, because like, you know, we we're messing with time, the timeline and reality and such. And like, that could play a factor too, and to some degree, because, you know, we weren't thinking about it when, the, when this movie is happening. We we're just like, oh, it's another universe. It's another timeline. It's another, you know, version. But now we, with the context of Loki, that could have some repercussions that we don't know about. I love that
0: idea. I had not considered that, but yeah, of course, after seeing Loki, you know, the different versions, the different timelines that came together in Endgame, for sure, they're different variants. And I can't wait to see where these sisters pop up and how they're going to deal with that and could, I mean, remember at the end of Endgame, while every other hero was there mourning Tony Stark, Gamora was nowhere to be found. And it ended with um, Star-Lord and Thor back on the ship and he was looking, Star-Lord was looking at trying to find her. And you know, even though that's not his Gamora, he wants her back. And I'd love for hopefully these Guardians get a happy ending. I'm sure not everyone's going to survive this, but I would love for at least Peter Quill and Gamora maybe getting her memory back. And from this variant, um, I'd love to see a happy ending for at least some of these characters. And speaking of variants, that kind of that's going to segue into our next story here. Um, Loki's Sophia DiMartino, who played Sylvie, revealed that Scarlet Witch team up. Um, there's hopes that she has that a Scarlet Witch team up could come possibly in Doctor Strange 2 between Sylvie and Scarlet Witch. She said in a quote, people seem to want to see her with Wanda, referring to Sylvie. And I think that would be pretty cool as well. Sylvie and Wanda could go either way. I hear this quote, I'm excited because I think Sylvie really stole stole the scenes that she was in in Loki. She became this female variant of Loki that really kind of was on an equal playing field with Tom Hiddleston's. We saw how powerful Wanda was at the end of WandaVision. Um, JG, you hear about this idea, this rumor, this fan speculation. Would you like to see the female Loki Sylvie t- team up with the Scarlet Witch?
1: It's so fascinating because I never even once, you know, thought about this idea, this concept, but hearing about it, it's like, oh, heck yeah. It's like, these are two very strong uh female characters and strong actresses and I think there'd be so much chemistry like there is so much wit to both of them that they could really play off each other really well and have some unique scenes there could also be some conflict as well because I think some of their beliefs are could be a little bit different cuz especially where we saw Sylvie last like she did some very drastic actions right at the end when you know she kills a huge how remain or he remains and so I think there's a lot of potential there for them to do it. And I think specifically just I think the actresses would just have so much uh, great chemistry between the two of them.
0: For sure they would. And just like you said, where we left Sylvie last, like, I mean, when you think about it, we wouldn't even be having Doctor Strange 2. We wouldn't be having Spider-Man No Way Home. We wouldn't be having What If if it wasn't for the decision that Sylvie made to kill he that remains. So she it needs to be a key player going forward because it was her decision that broke open this multiverse and everything that's about to come out of it. I do think both fem- both of these female actresses would do a fantastic job together. I do wonder though if she was gonna be in Doctor Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness if she's playing koi because I think they're probably already wrapping up filming if they're not already done I think with they're filming. done, yeah, so she's either playing koi or. I, I don't know. I have a feeling they're going to save her maybe for Loki season two, which we know is announced as well at this point. We've got one last piece of news for you here today. Um, the fact that Spider-Man three, no way home, of course, coming out in just a few months. And one of the things that the cast and crew received were, you know, all they always receive different gifts at the end of production. And one of the gifts that they received this year was a hat that said Spider-Man, no way home cast and crew. I don't know the exact wording on it, and there was a post on social media this week with Venom's Tom Hardy, who um, was also spotted wearing one of these hats, this production gift. The image was quickly deleted, but of course people were able to screenshot it. JG, we know that Venom 2 is coming out next week. We know that it has some mind-blowing post-credit scene that neither of you and I have heard the details of, but we don't wanna be spoiled on, but we hear that it's gonna be mind-blowing, huge epic post-credit scene. Then we see Tom Hardy wearing a Venom hat how much money are you betting that Venom, Tom Hardy, might make an appearance in Spider-Man No Way Home?
1: Uh, I get chills. Like, I literally get chills thinking about it. Like, my hair is standing up on my arm right now. It's like, just thinking about that. Especially now, I haven't seen it, which we'll talk about um, later in this episode. But I just, ah, that is what you want. That is like, you know, whenever these, this when Marvel is able to take these movies, and like, when you think that they're not going to connect, and you think there's no way they're gonna do it? There's they can't do that, and there's just now this ever so slight hope that this is possible. And heck, even now with everything that happened as Loki, it's even more possible. But just even just you know from a business side of things, from a you know everything involved, like just the fact that now this can happen, and that these actors, these studios, these can cross. It is so freaking exciting and so cool, and it opens so many possibilities.
0: It really does, and I'm glad if this is something that is happening. They're still playing it close to the chest. We haven't seen anything official. We don't know the details yet, but it's that idea that this could happen. Let's think about it. In Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, they showed five villains. When we think about Spider-Man, we think of the number six, Sinister Six, not five. So maybe they're holding something back. You know, we've only had one Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, And, you know, the fact that Spider-Man No Way Home is currently still being slated for release in December, the fact that Venom moved up its release date to early October to kind of give, again, two Sony films only two months apart. And there were a lot of rumors that Venom was going to get pushed to 2022 and Sony never commented and they kept the date. And I do wonder if part of the reason they kept the date is because something happens in Venom 2 that you you do need to see before you see Spider-Man No Way Home. If there's going to be some type of crossover or tease somewhere in Venom, let there be carnage. You know, that would then let the movie come out for a week or two. Time for another trailer. Then we here we are at the end of October. Perfect time for a second trailer where maybe you do reveal the sixth member of the Sinister Sticks. Um, if he's in it, I don't expect him to have a huge role, but even a small role would give him a chance for a future encounter with Tom Holland's Peter Parker. What else? Oh. What do you what else do you think here?
1: Oh, definitely. I, I think it's becoming more and more clear what could possibly be the secret post-credit scene that is like apparently like breaking everyone's minds like you know, on the
0: level of the end game battle is basically how people reacted yes to reports
1: which is crazy like you know that is like one of the probably one of the top three cinematic moments you know like you could argue so many you know with uh luke and empire and all that but it's just, it's so crazy that a scene, and, like, post, post mid credit scenes are usually no longer than, like, three minutes, and a lot of times they're under a minute, so the fact that it's getting this crazy, which I think it's gonna be just, I, I, I don't think it's him gonna be interacting with Spider-Man, I don't think it's gonna be anything, like, too crazy, but it's enough to be like, hey, this is happening, like, maybe it's him getting pulled out of his uh his timeline into ours, and he, like, sees Doc Ock, that would confirm it, like, something, something like that, like, unless he does say hi to like tom holland spider-man i don't know that's what's so crazy is that any it could be anything
0: i'm just so glad that disney and sony were able to make some type of agreement to be able to keep these movies going and that way sony can still have their corner disney and marvel can have theirs but at least they're playing nicely where if we think back to our childhoods there was the fox x-men there was the fox fantastic four there was the sony spider-man there was blade but there was no connection and we are so fortunate now because this is why we get invested and we wanted to run this podcast was because we love talking about the connections. We love theorizing what could happen. And I think to know that in maybe two weeks, we could have a major, you know, huge reveal that is only being speculated right now. Let's I just can't wait to find out what happens next. Um, though seeing this news. Yeah, just a week now. Oh, t- two weeks, one week. Um, it's actually, yeah, next week on uh, next Friday. That's crazy. Out. And I'm going to be there Thursday night because I do not want to get spoiled. Save. But um, so when you saw this news this week, and I remember I sent you the message, it was right before you watched Venom, and you responded to me saying, this makes me even more excited to watch a Venom. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, are you ready to move on to our yeah. and only review this week, really? Let's talk about All right. it. All right. We had one episode of What If? We only have two more left. This week's episode, episode seven of nine, was called What If Thor Were an Only Child? JG, did you have as much fun as I did watching Thor partying it up
1: in Las Vegas and all around the world? This episode, it's so hard because, you know, <laughs> uh, the second episode was really, really good. And then the Doctor Strange one was really, really good. And those were going back and forth between my favorites. I I, I think this might be my favorite right now, which is very strange. No pun intended. Um, because there wasn't a lot of high stakes. There wasn't a lot of, you know anything like like majorly like life or death going on but it was so much fun and there was so many differences so many connections and i just felt like for this one the someone in the writer's room was like hey what if we just had a party thor and what if like you know because of loki not being his brother he just became a party which in like the whole like mythology of thor like Thor is like a party animal like he's always drinking beer and always having these you know parties and such In like the mythology and so just seeing this really fun like I just feel like the writers are going for it they said you know what let's just do this let's go for it and it showed and it was really fun.
0: I don't think I've laughed as much or had a smile on my face as much through that episode like it definitely was not it wasn't my favorite episode it wasn't as serious and maybe as important until the end of course which we'll talk about. But it set up so much interesting information that it was just a fun journey it felt like the hangover movies it mm. felt like we were seeing so many different um you know cameos of characters that i think what if has done so well but even better here um going back to howard the duck and seth green from earlier in our conversation um my one question for you too do you think if this would have been like this almost felt like a taika watiti directed like what if you would have directed thor one almost with that humor but Basically, because Nick Fury gets taken out of the game so early, would we have seen um, if this would have been like actual events that happened in our timeline and Nick Fury wasn't out of the events? Would he have called Captain Marvel? Because I think, you know, he didn't call Captain Marvel for the Chitauri invasion, but Maria Hill was now the acting director. She had to make that call. Would Nick, would our Nick Fury have done that if he was in that still alive at this point?
1: I, I I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think that's the implication. The fact that she does do it is is the meaning that that Nick wouldn't have. And I think you know bringing that in that surprised me. I was not expecting that. And and that's what I mean. It's like I just feel like the writers were like, you know what? Let's just go for it. Like, does it make one hundred percent sense what this actually happened? I don't know. But it was fun. It was great. It was memorable.
0: Yeah. Did you have a favorite joke or a favorite uh, scene that stood out to you?
1: Oh, 100%. It was every scene that, and this shouldn't be a surprise, uh, it was every scene with Howard the Duck and Darcy, like, completely out of left field. Just, what? I mean, and, like, playing off the joke of getting married in Vegas, and of all characters, Darcy and Howard the Duck? Like, I'm so appreciative for this show, for the fact that we're getting more Howard the Duck, and I hope that means very well for that character, because it's just a, it's a duck. (laughs) It's a
0: duck. I, um... Over the summer, I started re- watching some of the non-MCU films I've mentioned to you before. And the first one, I think, you know, that was released was Howard the Duck, which was produced by Lucasfilm and George Lucas. And, you know, in that one, he, you know, he typically in the comics, I guess, and in that movie, he has a female um, human as a love interest. And so mm-hmm. Darcy played that role very well. I love Darcy from WandaVision, of course, and of course, with her roles in the first two Thor films. Um, yeah, I think. I just, like I said, that's one I would go back to and watch just for the humor. And I think Chris Hemsworth had a fun time voicing and playing that silly side of him. What about the one thing that I wasn't expecting to even see, Frost Giant Loki, when he popped up, I thought, and their relationship, I expected it to be bad. Like, it almost, they teased it as being a very, um, very stressful relationship between the two of them, but they have a friendship vibe. And, you know, just the whole idea that, imagine Thor, which we always thought he He gave Loki a hard other way around. Loki gave Thor such a hard time growing up, but it turned Thor into the character that we know he needed to be. And so the fact that Thor as an only child could get away with everything and be that spoiled brat, he's now this causing all this destruction from every planet to planet. I just, wow, that's one I would definitely go back and rewatch just for the fun of it
1: yeah the loki that definitely like completely just threw me off but i loved it because we have now seen because of the show loki we have seen so many variants of this character and every single version of this character has been so unique and fun and just seeing that like it almost gave me like they were like frat brothers almost like they were just super just you know chill and just having a good old time and having just parties around america or around around the uh earth and so that was just ah like he said it's a good episode just to go back you know just have fun because like if you go back and watch the dr strange episode <laughs> you're gonna be crying like you know like this is just a light-hearted super fun super chill just good vibes i thought it was interesting one thing that really caught me off guard was the response to odin's death like that was did he die
0: or did he take the i mean is the odin sleep death permanently or is it a temporary thing because Riga was like, "I'm peace out. I'm going to see my sisters."
1: Yeah, I don't know the full, so maybe it is just a, a long nap. I, I really don't know, but they were they were just okay. Bye.
0: But yeah, they weren't too phased because I think anytime you know we picture you know in our current culture, if you lose someone close to you like that, you're not going to be out having a party or just piecing out like you said. So that did take me off guard a little bit. You're right.
1: Except, um, except the thing it's, like, he, because doesn't she say that, like, you're now, like, the king or you're now, like, the leader or whatever, or, like, you now have to, like, learn and such, and that's why he's supposed to be taking his classes and studying, so I guess it it is death in a way, but I guess it's, like, a peaceful type thing, but it's still, it just caught me off guard, because, like, even in the movies, there was, like, quite a response, and so... I'm not saying it was bad, it just very shocked me.
0: Well, I think they're still playing along those lines of, you know, Party Thor, who's maybe not as connected, maybe not to his family, to his role as leader here. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of Lady Sif and the Warriors 3 because, you know, how quickly they were killed off the Warriors 3 in Ragnarok. And I know Lady Sif is, I guess, coming back for Thor Love and Thunder. So hopefully we'll see more of them in future episodes. I just... I, you know, when the what if started, I knew I was going to like it because I seem to like everything, everything Marvel puts out, but I didn't realize how much I would love this show. And like, just because I know it's going to tie in eventually, it's going to make, but even if it doesn't, this episode could be standalone and just a fun romp here with Thor having a good time. Let's talk about the ending though, because it seems like most of these are standalone for the most part, but they typically have some type of ending scene that makes it seem like they are going to connect and especially what it ends with is something that has been teased that's going to hopefully play off into the season finale maybe in two weeks. So it looks like this army of Ultrons comes down and through a portal or whatever. And the one that's leaving them is a version of Ultron with Vision inside of it. And it looks like all six Infinity Stones. You saw that, you have that You know, cliffhanger ending. Is that going to be tied up soon? Or are they leaving us hanging? What What was your first thought when you saw Vision, Evil Vision tied in with
1: Ultron? I was so shook, and I think what really, like, really, like, made me, like, gasp was, you know, the Watcher saying, oh, and they live happily ever after, and he's like, wait, what's happening, and I was like, excuse me, like, I was just completely, like, thrown off guard, like, because it's like, that's like what a normal person would react if something was completely changing, and so I, that completely was like, what is about to happen, and seeing that image is so striking, it's probably more than any of the other ending cliffhangers that we've gotten and just seeing that suit and the stones and then the ah there's there was something about that image that really stood out and i think it really did benefit from even the watcher being as surprised as us the viewers were and i think that even elevated it because it really does show another layer to the the character of the watcher because we're getting to know more and more about it through these episodes you know he's becoming more he's kind of getting closer to us physically uh he's talking to us more and now he's also like almost like i feel like that fourth wall broke where he just literally told us that like something happened that he was not expecting or didn't happen so that is wild to me
0: and i'm wondering if too like if he's like out of you know the time he's able to see everything at once Maybe this right here is that moment that Sylvie cut the timeline. You know, maybe he's just like he who remains is now speechless and his script is now done. And he was not like seeing his reaction like that. That should scare us because, you know, I don't know what next week's going to be about. We only have two weeks left unless it's a two-part finale maybe where they start to bring everything together. Because I don't feel like you can just leave it like that cliffhanger for a week and do something else fun. I feel like this was the last maybe standalone episode, hopefully. And then we get two episodes to tie it together and hopefully set up a season two. I know they've, they have more episodes in production. Maybe this will be like the good halfway ending point coming up here. Well, let's see what happens with what if episode eight. am um, we'll usually get a preview image around Monday or Tuesday, and we'll be back next week to talk about episode eight. We'll see what it comes out of that. Our main topic for tonight, we're gonna spend some time discussing 2018's Venom. We already talked about Venom at the top of the show in our news section. JG watched this movie for the first time this week. I watched it for the second time. I watched it first a couple years ago on Blu-ray. I kind of jumped back in now. I remembered some of it. But JG, I want to get your opinions first. This was a brand new film to you. I'm very curious, how does it rank for you or what stood out to you? Go ahead and tell me whatever you'd like to share with us about Venom.
1: Yeah, so Venom, I, I really didn't know much going in. I knew that it was probably a little edgier, but it was maybe toned down than maybe what people were hoping for. Uh, but still definitely you know out there than most marvel films uh, i knew that it had really great uh, cast and you know tom hardy and just everyone that was involved that overall it was really well received by the fans and even though it might not have been quote-unquote critically acclaimed it was definitely acclaimed by the fans and so i was very much looking into this and very excited you know a lot of my close friends and even you yourself steven you guys had hyped this up uh for me and so i was you know looking in for it and like and like we said like the news of what's happening with venom 2 i think elevated my excitement and probably also like raised my expectations for this film probably higher than it should be. However, it did pay off and I love Venom. Uh Venom <laughs> Venom's a unique film where I think it was mainly done to just introduce the character and it really didn't do much more than that, which I guess is what a origin story is to do is to introduce you to the character. Uh but I do I I, I loved it. it. It was so funny in moments that I wasn't expecting it. Uh, I think the character Venom himself is probably in my top 10, actually, of Marvel characters right now. Uh, I love the chemistry between him and Eddie, uh, and just everyone else involved. It was so, so interesting, and I didn't know that there was other, uh, I guess aliens, other, I forget the actual name that they symbiose. use. Symbiotes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize that, and so seeing that actually happen throughout the movie, that was actually genuinely surprising to me and very exciting, and it makes a lot more sense with Carnage and such, and so overall, you know, if I had a rated a good solid 8 out of 10, like, I dug this movie. It's definitely one that I can rewatch over and over, the visuals, the acting, the writing, uh, the post credit scene would have been definitely mind-blowing back in 2018. Fantastic movie.
0: Yeah, you said your audience, your score is around eight out of 10. And I just pulled up the Rotten Tomatoes. There's a big disconnect here. The tomato meter from um, critics after is about 30%. The audience rating is 81%. That's a huge drastic difference. And, you know, I'm glad that you did enjoy it as much as you did, because I think, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. This was a film designed really to introduce Venom. It was a design by Sony to kind of maybe kickstart their own cinematic universe to try to compete, maybe. But Imagine doing this. This was before the whole continued negotiations between Sony and Disney. So you're trying to make a Spider Man universe without Spider Man. Because I guess from the comics, you know, the Venom symbiote comes back to Earth and it attaches to Peter Parker because that's how Venom looks so much like a Spider, looks a black uh, Spider Man with the costume there. And so this one obviously does not have the Spider Man symbol on his chest, but who knows? Maybe at some point, whenever they. You know, come into contact. Which Andy Circus, the director, said they will at some point. Maybe we will see that. You know, more comic-like uh, appearance. Maybe for Venom Three or whenever that might happen. But I, um, I do think, like you said, Eddie is an interesting character. I think very different than maybe the variant of Eddie that we saw in Spider-Man Three, which we will have to discuss and uh, review before Spider-Man No Way Home, anyway. So we, this is the second time that Venom has been brought to live action, and you know, in Spider-Man Three, which also, did not have the best reviews. This was his movie. This was a chance for him to show. Where in Spider-Man Three, he was more of a you know side villain character with already too many characters in that film. So we're starting to really get to know Eddie. We're getting to know Eddie's you know counterparts. We're especially getting to know Venom as a character. And what I like is, you know, you're following this movie, but it's really two main characters. You got Venom and Eddie, and how they have to coexist together. Um, I really liked, like you said, the, the fact that the post credit scene I felt was maybe closer to five or six minutes. It seemed like a longer scene and that what? really stood out. So yeah, anytime you get one of those big scenes and it sounds like the next one's going to top it. Um, the action was good. I did like the action scenes. I will say though, you know, for it being a 2018 film, the, the graphics looked, they looked good. Um, I think hopefully Venom, Let There Be Carnage, a couple of years later, it's going to look even better, and we'll talk more about that next week. But um, like some of the fight scenes, as cool as they looked, of course, very CGI, very um, kind of hard to tell, because Riot, who's the, the villain symbiote who's making the plans here, he looks similar to Venom. And so when they're fighting together, they blend together, and you really can't tell where one begins and the other. I mean, maybe that's part of the fight as well. But um, I'm hoping the graphics are going to look a little bit better in the next one. They, they weren't bad by any means, but you could tell that they had a little bit of date to them. Um, so, JG, any other, like, thoughts about scenes that stood out to you, things that you'll remember about this movie or something you want to go back and look at again?
1: Yeah, I think it's my, – my big takeaway is just seeing how – you know, we had talked about it, but just seeing how these two separate characters, these two separate beings, like, coexist together and how they have to learn to work together. They, have, they each have separate needs that are – drastically polar opposites and just how they have to work together almost, you know? People joke about it, how it's like a buddy cop film. I've even heard the term that it's a romance and it's a rom-com and, like, I see it, I get it. There, There is moments where I am cheering, like, in my mind and and almost clapping to points where I'm cheering for Venom and Eddie when I probably shouldn't be at a point but they do such an incredible job to deliver that this character and really... ...make Venom a rootable character, which I think is so fascinating, because... ...I think in any other story, like, Venom, you would expect to be, like, a villain, and evil, and, and very just... ...not good, but in this... ...you're able to peel back the layers, and you're really able to see the depth to the character... ...and I think it adds so much more to it. Instead of just making Venom just evil, and just wicked, and all this stuff... We, you make us care, you make us actually like worry for the character. There were times where I was like, oh my gosh, Venom, no, please, please live. And so if you can get me to care for that character or you get anyone to care for that character, I think that's a big deal. And to see how that how that progresses moving forward, because Venom technically is a villain and can still be a villain and be could do majorly bad things, especially against you know Tom Holland's Peter or even the other peters and so it'd be really curious to see what they shown us so far what they will show us with carnage and what's to come
0: do you think they made the right decision in making it pg-13 or would the movie have benefited from going with an r rating being able to show a little bit more gore i mean he did do some damage to some people so would you like to have seen him take that next step or were you happy with the pg-13 rating
1: uh, it didn't. It didn't phase me at all. So, like, I'm not really super connected. Obviously, haven't read the comics. Barely remember Spider Man three. Uh, so, the rating and like going to the next level, it really doesn't do much for me. I think they, for me personally, I think they they showed the violence enough that I got it, and I think it was there. We could see it. My whole thing when it comes to ratings and like an R rating is that. I get the desire for it in some circumstances. However, if it's going to prevent audiences, certain audiences, members from wanting to watch it, then I feel that you should maybe tone it down. And I get that that's up to the director and the writer, and that is the story that they're wanting to tell. Deadpool is a great example for that. And I think it works really well for Deadpool. But if you don't have to, because I think sometimes movies in general will do an R rating just to do it. And I think that that could be obnoxious. And so I think they found the balance for this. And I think from what we're hearing for Let There Be Carnage, I think they're going to push that line. And I think it's going to, you know, if people were thinking that this wasn't edgy enough, I think Carnage is going to push that from what we're hearing. And, and if that's what you want, then I, I hope it does that for you. Uh, for me personally, it, it it's not a deal breaker one way or the other. You know, I watch it regardless if it is a hard, a hard R or if it is a, a hard PG-13, but.
0: Yeah, I'm, I've am i got a question for you next. I'm going to give you, besides we already talked about how great Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock and Venom was, I'm going to give you three other supporting characters and I'd like you to tell me which of those three stood out the most to you. Michelle Williams played the girlfriend Anne and the ex-girlfriend. Riz Amid played Carlton Drake and also of Life Foundation and he played Riot. And then another one that stood out to me as well was Jenny Slate who played um, Carlton Drake's assistant, Dr. Dora Skirth. Out of those three characters is there one that stands out to you is there one that you wish you could have seen more
1: of uh i think for me the one that stands out is definitely uh, michelle i think that one just it's it's out to me because one i just remember the most from it right now on the top of my head so i think that's just a huge uh, indicator there but also uh they released posters this week for venom let there be carnage and seeing her poster and seeing um, the, uh, I don't know what the proper term is, Lady Venom, Miss Venom, I don't know, Mm -hmm. the female Mm -hmm. Venom. Uh, Seeing that being teased again, I want that. That was probably the most shocking thing to me, besides seeing that there was others. was actually seeing her version. I was like, oh, oh, so I want more of that. I think that's interesting to me, because that's a character you would not expect. And so I want more of that.
0: Yeah, that was a character that surprised me as well. Um, the one thing that kind of scared me a little, not scared, but it was a little freaky, you know, whenever the riot symbiote was making its way to America and like it would take over like the the woman in the market and then it took over the child in the airport. Like that was kind of freaky how they were being almost possessed and taken over there. Um, what about um, the Stan Lee cameo at the end? Uh, were you expecting that in this movie or did that catch you off guard at the end?
1: It definitely caught me off guard especially because right now i'm just so used to unfortunately him not being right now and and being able to do these cameos anymore and so it didn't dawn on me that like this would be a thing and so whenever i saw that i was like i was like oh my gosh i I literally i literally let out audibly watching by myself i was like it's stan lee like i was shocked
0: Yeah, I was too. I, I mean, I kind of forgot when he popped up there at the end, even though I haven't seen it in a couple of years. And I was glad to have one more chance with him. And, you know, he makes that little jab at him, you know, having two personalities there, having both of them. Um, you know, while the movie was good, let's say in a couple of years down the line, this franchise continues with whether it be Venom 3 or, you know, a popping up in other S- Sony films. Um, do you think having a Spider-Man in some of these films like Venom and Morbius, or at least connected there, is that going to make these movies mean more because they might have a more of a connection or, you know, we have that thing we can relate to? Because again, in, in the comics, I guess Spider-Man and Venom have that, you know, Batman Joker almost a relationship. So by adding Spider-Man after we get the origin story, part one and part two, are you ready to see more Venom with a Spider-Man?
1: Yeah, I think if, if you're, if you're giving so many films like we're have we're two, I think you could even push it and get a third. I don't think that with what's shaping up. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But I think you could even go for a, thir- a third there, but I think two films is great. You know, a lot of times a lot of the heroes we've seen have got only one film and then they were literally thrown into a team-up movie. And so the fact that you could get two films and really add a lot of depth and even more cuz I think now I think the first film was really about them embracing and that they are going to be one, two separate, but one. I think now we're going to be getting into the point with how they actually do that. What is this day-to-day? I remember now I rewatched the trailer afterwards so that it would make more sense to me. Uh, the fact that he's like, you know, no more meat, no more meat, like stop, which that's a big deal. And so I you know, finding this day-to-day life of how they each separately survive and how they separately but together as one have to survive, I think it's going to be so fascinating. And then up against Carnage and like what that means and how they, again, have to work together. I think it's going to be, it's going to push, I think this film is going to really push them to their max, um, but ultimately it's going to finally unite them as one and Venom is going to be this very strong character where they're not going to be phased. Like Eddie and Venom are not going to be phased with what's to come whatever that might be, in No Way Home.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, they're so connected right now. Could we get to a point where they get disconnected, whether it's a falling out or something, a villain separates them? I mean, I don't know where the character goes from here. I don't know much about the character from the comics, so I always like going into these movies with a little understanding but also kind of a blank slate. Um, Anything else major with the movie you want to talk about? I think we hit a lot of nails you know, on the head there. Is there anything else that you didn't get a chance to talk about?
1: If I remember correctly, because I, 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 I watch a lot of TV movies, I think, wasn't the music composed by Ludwig Garrison, the the composer who does Mandalorian, that stood out to me. I saw that, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I definitely saw that, and I was actually really intrigued then, because then I started listening to the music more, music being one of my things that I really look for in, in entertainment, and I thought the score was done really well, and there were some little notes of... It didn't feel like anything from Spider-Man, but it definitely gave me some themes. You know how Star Wars will play off and do motifs. It really felt like there was some dark Spider-Man music in it, and it felt really good.
0: Yeah, I didn't notice that off the top of my head, but I'll have to go back and listen to that again. And I really loved what he did with Mandalorian, so yeah, that would be great to go back and hear once again. Um, but if there's nothing else to talk about with Venom, I think we are going to start to wrap up here um next week on episode six we are going to do our venom spoiler let there be carnage spoiler free review and again maybe what we'll do is we could watch the trailer again discuss what we think is going to happen um i don't expect we'll have too much speculation but that's something we can talk about next week um before we close out jg where can everyone check in with you and do you have anything else you want to promote for this week
1: Yes. Yeah, so I make uh, reaction videos on YouTube, which you can just search Cars, which my last name is C-A-R-S-E. And if you're into the whole uh, Marvel What If, which you would be if you're watching this, uh, I do reactions to that. There's many other, other great shows as well. Star Wars, Walking Dead, and a whole lot bunch of other things. That's the primarily place you can find me. Or on Twitter as well, JG underscore Cars.
0: All right. Well, thank you, JG. So that's going to wrap up Episode 5 of Marvel Cast. We hope you enjoyed diving into the world of Marvel with us, and we can't wait to see you again next week. We want fans to interact with this podcast, so we can't wait to hear your feedback and questions. You can reach us at our email, MarvelCastPod at gmail.com. Once again, that's MarvelCastPod at gmail.com. There will still be more content coming your way from 1138 Productions Network and including the Star Wars Canon podcast, which is getting revamped and getting ready to come back very soon. Um, Once again, from JG and myself, I hope you have a marvelous week. And remember,
1: I could do this all day.